I love Donald Trump. I'm going to say that right now. About two years ago, I go to a Donald Trump rally. True story. And in true Danny Morrell fashion, I go sit in the front seat and I'm there and I'm there to watch Trump, right? And I, and I, and I believe this and I'm into this. I'm, I'm in the game. I'm, I'm, yes, we're right. They're wrong. Yes, yeah, 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 right? I'm watching all of the other speakers leading up to him and I'm feeling the energy of the room and I'm watching women get up on stage. They're trying to take our country away and they're trying to, and you know what I saw in that moment, Rick? In that moment I saw, holy shit. The same way I think I'm right, someone else in that room on the other side of town thinks that they're right. And like this, ain't nothing gonna change on this planet. This is the Rick Sanchez Podcast. I'm so glad you're there. Let's have a conversation, you and I. What do you say? First of all, did you happen to watch, if if you happen to be watching the news in the last couple of days, and most of us have, I mean, I try to stay away from it sometimes, but when there's something like a important national election going on, we all have a tendency to tune in. And, and I got to tell you something. I have to say this. I don't know if you noticed this. But I'm going to tell you about it, and then you're going to tell me if you kind of saw the same thing. And maybe you didn't, but now after I tell you, you're going to say to yourself, oh, my God. Oh, my God, he's right. Tiene razón. He's right. So, you know, I turn on your usual run-of-the-mill stuff. I put on, you know, CNBC because I like to watch business news because, you know, obviously I'm a business guy. And um, I was... They did some election coverage because I wanted to see how it was going to cover, how, how it was going to affect the economy, inflation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and as I'm watching, I'm noticing that nobody talking about it is a Latino. Nobody's even invited to talk there who is Latino. And that bothered me a little bit, but I said, okay, you know, whatever, let's move on, right? And uh, remember, we're, we're 20% of the population of the United States. We're the fifth largest GDP economy in the world if we were a country. 80% of us are U.S. citizens. The numbers are staggering. And yet, okay, I get it. You can't, you know, that doesn't mean because, you know, you're a del- you have to have a Latino in all times. So I switch over to CNN. They're having discussion. They've got a full panel, man. They got like 10 people out there. Boom, boom, boom. You know, it looks like the Nuremberg trial or something. I don't know. Like ju- all kinds of people who look like they're making judgments here, right? Not a single one of them is Latino. Not one. Not one. Ni uno. So I go over to MSNBC. There, they're having a discussion. I think it was Morning Joe. And they, too, have like 20 people coming in and out. One of them is Katie K. Katie K. She's she's British. She's English. With this English. She's telling us about politics in America. Right? And obviously not Latino. Go to Fox News. Same thing. And I, and I just, I, I have to ask myself, because he, here's where it even gets more ridiculous. Um, and I don't know if you noticed that. And look, I'm not saying I want there to be a diverse group of people up there. I'm glad KDK's there. I'm glad there's African-Americans. I'm glad there's gay Americans. I'm glad there's Jewish Americans. I'm glad there's every kind of American under the sun who is, you know, uh, giving their perspective on where we are as a nation right now in the middle of this very important thing we call the midterm elections. And a lot of the conversation, listen to me, a lot of the conversation had to do with what? 
had to do with what? It had to do with how Latinos voted. So a lot of it is Latinos really helped this guy DeSantis in Florida. Let's break down those numbers and let's talk about why and who are these Latinos. Latinos are seemingly helping the uh, Democrats in the other case in places like uh, Nevada. And by the way, the governor of uh, Texas, Jerry, your guy, uh, got almost no Latino support. And in the congressional races, Latinos were very much Democrats. So different scenarios, different reasons. It's a conversation. It's important. And it's what they're talking about. It's their topic. And none of them who are talking about us are us. <laughs> just, just ask yourself, what the hell sense does that make? And, and I'm not saying this because, you know, wah, wah, wah. You know, we're not, that's not who we are, man. You know, there's a reason Latinos are the most important economic engine in this country. And it's not because we sit around complaining and crying. So this is not about complaining. I don't give a shit, right? If they want to have a song, great. And if they don't want to have a song, great. But it just, it looks to me like, you know, when you describe something that's a bad idea or bad policy or something that's just not well executed, what a, what a picture that is. I watched every every single pundit, every talking head in America describing who Latinos are, why Latinos vote the way they vote, how much they voted, and none of them were Latino. And you just have to ask yourself, if you happen to be Latino and you happen to be listening to the sound of my voice right now, you have to ask yourself, is the collective important? Should we? I know we don't really live that way. That's not who we are as Latinos. We just go on. You know, it's the personal accomplishments. It's the personal struggle. We, You let me go from one job, I'll find another one and I'll do great and I'll grow and I'll grow a business. And that's why we hire more people and grow more small businesses than any other cohort in the United States, probably in the history of the United States. So it's not who we are. But, it, but, but don't think for a minute that we shouldn't be noticing this stuff. Don't think for a minute that we shouldn't be no, noticing this stuff because it is important. And these kind of things do define us. And it also, if nothing else, you know, when I, when I say this, I'll tell you this, and maybe you can take some solace in this yourself. When I say this, it's not about me. I mean, I'm fine, right? I mean, I worked at CNN. I worked at NBC. I worked at Fox News. I've grown a $4.4 billion business. I, I've done a lot of really exciting stuff. So uh, from a personal standpoint, I'm fine, right? What bothers me is when, when we're covered that way, when we're presented to the nation that way, it pisses me off for my mom and dad and the people who've come here and struggled. And they don't, they're not on welfare. They don't, you know, they don't take food stamps. They just, you know, I watched my dad work two, three jobs. I work my, I watched my mom work in a factory so that she could put me and my brothers in college and, and they deserve a little better. And so do our children. And, and sometimes when I say these things and I go off like this, and I apologize if I'm getting in a little bit of a rant here. I don't mean to. You know, I, ju I just want you to know that these are things we should recognize. And if there's anything we can do to politely, politely let people know that maybe there should be more people like us as part of the conversation, especially the national conversation, then we should do it. You know, on the show, we do a lot of talking about how we all grow, right? And you notice whenever I make comments about who we are, I always try and make it from the standpoint of, of personal growth, right? What, what it is we need to, to grow, you know, both from an economic standpoint, from, a, from, from an inspirational and aspirational standpoint, because those are the things that really can make us better and help us become 
better human being. So uh, I, I, I am really lucky. I'm, I'm about to have a conversation with somebody who completely gets that. And by the way, he happens to be a Latino. And no, they didn't invite him to have a conversation on MSNBC or CNN or Fox to describe Latinos either. For some reason, they don't, they don't like our kind or something. I don't know. I want to introduce you to Danny Morrell. He's a business strategist. He's an entrepreneur. He's a life coach. I've been listening to his podcast. It's called The uh, Higher Self with uh, Danny Morrell. He interviews some really interesting people and also asks some really, really great questions. So it's nice to be able to uh, welcome Danny. By the way, you know, Danny, uh, Danny has uh, reached you know, hundreds of thousands of people on a regular basis and has made millions of dollars as a, as a, as a, as a business person. And I'm not saying that because, oh, look, this guy's got a lot of money. No, who cares? You know, your value is not about money, but the idea is that he has made a goal for himself and he's been able to achieve it. That is important. And sometimes, as I've always said, you know, one, one of my life lessons is do set goals. And if you can set a goal to make a million dollars, do that. It's a good idea to make a goal to reach a million dollars, not because you need a million dollars or not because of the money, but because what it will make of you, because what it will make of you to get to that goal. And that's that's kind of the thing that Danny talks about with uh, many of the people who follow him. So um, let me welcome him. Danny, how are you, my friend? Doing great. How about yourself? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great, man. It's great. It's, you know, I, I listen to a lot of what you have to say. And I, uh, and, and I thought, you know, what we would do today is have a conversation about some of the, some of the things that I believe in and some of my little mantras that I try to inspire others with. And I know you ha I've been listening to you and you have a lot of great advice for people. So I figured, you know, I, I, I was going to go through mine and then, um, and then maybe it would be a good idea for, have, for us to have a conversation and learn about those so that we can share our perspective and maybe people can understand some of the things that we believe in. I'll, I'll tell you what one of my first ones is. I've learned, and I learned this a long time ago, that life can change in an instant. Not long ago, I went down to the Florida Keys. I was there with my family. I told my wife, I'm going to go diving. I put on the diving suit. I was scuba diving. I was down about 80, 90 feet deep. We were shooting, or I, like a, like, I shouldn't have done this, but I did. Um, they say you should never do this alone. You should always have a buddy system. But for some reason, I just did something that I wish I hadn't done. So picture this. I am 80 to 90 feet underwater in the Florida Keys, and I'm spearfishing. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm shooting some of my wife's favorite fish because I thought she would be really excited if I, if I shot these, these hogfish that are delicious, by the way. And I and I was keep I was shooting them and then I was chasing them and all of a sudden I lost track of my air, and when I suddenly realized I didn't have enough air, I looked up and said, "Oh my God, I could be." Turned out I was about ninety feet from the surface, and I was like, huh, uh, uh, and I can't breathe, and I I knew I couldn't take anything in, but I could leave a little bit out. They teach you when you learn to dive and you get uh, your license for diving. That if you're ever in that situation, you just try and make yourself make your way to the surface, but don't let the air out. Don't do anything sudden. Just kind of do like a little like this. Because that's letting enough air out, but you're not letting it all out or trying to take any in because there's nothing to have in. So my life flashed before me. And to this day, I think back to that moment trying to make my way back to the surface, wondering whether I would survive, finally getting to the surface, 
then having to deal with, you know, fire rescue and, you know, trying to deal with, put me back together, so to speak. And it was fine in the end, but I could have easily died in that moment. And since that moment, I've always realized that there's nothing more important than taking life in and trying to experience all of it because in any moment, everything can just go away. I don't know what you feel about that, Danny, but for me, that was one of my important life lessons to live every day and try and drink in every moment so that you can truly savor it. And I do that in my personal life. My wife says too much. Every once in a while, she looks at me and goes, can you relax? Can you go to sleep? I mean, it's like, no, there's got to be something else I can attack because I enjoy that, Danny. You? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, a, a, a little bit of the same and yet in a little bit of a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some pretty deep spiritual work within myself. And, and in those moments, what I realized that we as human beings have not, have not opened our minds and our hearts to is, is the fact that society, religion, so forth, so forth and so on has programmed us to believe that heaven is this thing that you have to wait for. Mm. Right, heaven is this thing that you have to like get to, and and by the way, you get to get to it once you die. Yeah. And when you open your eyes and you you know maybe take a moment out of your busy day to go connect with Mother Nature, to go take off your shoes and reconnect to the ground, and you really like pay attention to how beautiful the trees are, silences, how beautiful birds are as they're chirping. Like you really start to realize that heaven is right here on earth right now. Hmm. And so as such, you know, one of the most powerful things that we as human beings can do is to stay in the present moment, you know, and really love, appreciate and ground ourselves in the present moment. And you know, and I say, you know, that that's funny. I'll, I'll just interrupt you for just half a second, because again, you know, uh, many of the people who listen to this podcast are Latinos and we often grow up as Catholics or, you know, near Catholics. Certainly uh, we tend to be uh, Christian and, and, and heaven is a big part of that story. It's heaven is the reason heaven and hell is the reason you do right or the reason you do wrong, but it's always a uh, prolonged uh, delivery system. It's not about now, it's about in the future. And I love the way you've turned that around and said, maybe we need to focus less on tomorrow and more on right now, today, live in the present, right? Yeah, yeah. because if you, if you don't do that, what, what you're actually doing is you're waiting. You know, you're waiting for someone or something to come save you. You're, you're, you're being a certain version of yourself so that you get to go somewhere versus not go somewhere, somewhere else. And I unfortunately, you know, believe that, you know, what, what tends to happen is, is that that's a very minimalistic way of thinking. And it also allows you to be controlled. Hmm. You know, it allows you to be controlled because it's the story of like, you can do good or you can do bad. How about we open ourselves up to realize that you're just being you. Hmm. And sometimes in you being you, there's some sides of you. There's some deep sides of you that, you know, maybe you're not too happy with. But why would you, why would you not? Let, Let me ask you a question about this. There's a lot of people who will say to me oftentimes, and I've talked about this during this podcast, the Rick Sanchez podcast that a lot, of, a lot of young people today feel like they're, uh, nothing about the system inspires them. Uh, so much corruption, 
so much political disarray, so many wars, so many lives, so many greedy business people and blank and banks, et cetera, who are ripping off uh, people who are who are good people. And it gets to the point where they want to throw their arms up and say, you want me to live in the what? Forget about it. You know, um, yeah, the, the, it, it, it's not worth it. They would say to you, Danny. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Rick, I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought you brought you brought it up. That is the system. That's that's the matrix, yeah. right? That's the system that we live in here on this planet. And it's the system that we get to choose to participate in or not participate in. Well, these folks and would so, say it's worse now than it's ever been. I, I don't think they're correct, but that's what they would tell you. Yeah, you see, and I would say that, and and I and I'm speaking from someone that was literally driven by this, mm-hmm. and that once was so plugged into it that it drove my thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And one day, I just decided to like turn the TV off. Wow! And one day, I decided to just stop paying attention. What does that mean? I- okay, let's stop. I want to stop you. That's that's a fascinating thing that you just said. That is, uh, as uh, the great uh, screenplay writer um, Max Field would say, that was a moment of climax in your life. A moment of climax. It's a climactic moment. You said, one day I turned the TV off. What does that mean? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you in practical manners. Um, my, my, I'm, I'm divorced, mm-hmm. and my ex-wife was moving told me, you know, I'm moving the boys. I'm moving. I'm getting out of California. California is crazy. I'm going to go to Austin. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was such a powerful and pivotal moment for me in my life because, you know, one of the things that we struggle with as Latinos is many times our fathers are not present. Mm -hmm. My father was not present in my life. Mm -hmm. And, and in that moment, I realized that it was up to me to to, to cut the, the chains, mm-hmm. right? And to, and to heal this relationship in the masculine energy within myself, my lineage, and my children. Mm-hmm. And so instantly I said, I'm going to. Make a long story short, we first went to Houston, Texas. Houston was just real muggy for us. And when we got to Austin, it was like, this is it. This is home. And so I had a beautiful home that, that we owned prior to our divorce but then I had just bought and built myself my own new, like, you know, bachelor pad in the mountains of California. Mm. And when I was coming here to Austin, I was coming here for my children. So I had to sacrifice some things within myself. And that meant that I probably wasn't going to build a home right away. And I was going to rent something for a little bit just to like, just to check things out. Yeah. Well, when I walked into this house, right, I live in, this was a year and a half ago, right behind me, this painting right here that's where the TV was supposed to go, Mm. right? And I was at a point in my spiritual journey where there was something inside of me that said, it's time for you to let go. It's time for you to silence the noise. It's time for you to quiet the chatter. It's time for you to quiet the fear. And what is it about, what is it about, what is it about a television that, that you define as chatter and fear? Explain. Well, because the television's number one purpose is to separate us. Hmm. The television's number one purpose is to make us think that there's a difference between Latino and black and white and man and woman and Republican and Democrat and, and, and American and Chinese. Yeah. And that's the number one prerogative. Fear. And then. Yeah. If we want, in fear. fact, to your point, and you know, you're talking to somebody who comes from that. I'm the, maybe one of the first and only Latinos to reach the heights of being a primetime namesake anchor on CNN. And I worked on NBC and I worked on uh, Fox. I will tell you, 
that um, ever since they came up with this rating system where they get paid to keep you sitting in the chair, staring at the TV, the talking box every five minutes, and they get measured by how many people join or leave, they need to do everything possible to keep you watching that. And right. that usually means attracting you through one of the things that involves pathos. And more often than not, the one that's most sticky is fear. If I can make you right. afraid, you won't leave. Watch this plane. It's about to land, but we don't know if it's going to crash. Stay right there. We'll be right back. <laughs> it's, you know, or don't go away because all these Mexicans are coming over the border and they're going to rape your daughter. Don't go away. We'll be right back. It's fear-based communication. And you're right. Today, more than ever, it's the most prevalent thing we see on cable news and even national news. Well, and, and, and here's what happens, Rick, is, you know, I know for myself and my family growing up, there's a lot of wounds that we have as human beings. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of wounds that we have as a society. There's a, there's a lot of wounds that we have as Latinos, right? The wounds of feeling less than, the wounds of feeling not appreciated, the mm -hmm. wounds of feeling like we don't have the same opportunities as others. And I, and, I, and I get that and I honor that, right? But what the TV does is it chips at that wound. That's how it gets to you hmm. because it knows that you have that wound that it knows that you as a human being haven't taken the time to heal that wound. So it goes, ah, cue the, the racism, hmm. right? Cue that the white man is trying to get you cue that there's not the same opportunities for everybody. Right. Hmm. And then guess what happens? They're literally programming your mind to think in this way, to think poor me because I'm a Latino, to think poor me because I was, I grew up in the Bronx, to think poor me because I'm I'm a woman and you know, women don't have the same opportunity as men. And you know, and then we start to live from this. We literally start to live from this energy. So when you, when, that, I've got to ask second, you, I've, I've got to ask you that. And, and I, I want to, I want to attack this pragmatically, uh, concretely. Because I want to make sure people totally understand what you're saying. I think you're using television as a point of reference for the importance of being in the moment and not using that as some kind of false escapism. You're not saying that from time to time you will not watch a sporting event or a great documentary or a great movie when you've chosen to do it, right? It's not the medium you fear. It's the constants or currency of it. Well, I don't fear anything. I just... I just want to live my life uh -huh. the way I want to live my life, not being influenced by a system that is trying purposefully to influence it in a way to follow the energy, the programs, yeah. the beliefs, and the decisions that it wants me to make. I think I get that. What, you, what you're saying is uh, when, you, when you refer to TV, I shut off the TV. Uh, you're not saying it's the medium that is exploitive uh, in itself because I'm sure you could put a beautiful program on TV that you would enjoy, I would enjoy, our families might enjoy. Maybe for you, it's sitting down once in a while and watching a great sporting event or a documentary or something really smart. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I, th I think it's, well, in, in like I can only speak for myself in my life. It's of course. It's far and few in between. Um, it's very rare where I sit down and throw someone on something on Netflix or whatever, because when I'm living in the moment and I'm connected to myself, I don't need entertainment outside of myself. That is the level of healing that I've been able to search for within myself. And so when it comes to sports, 
I don't know who's in the World Series or what happened. I don't know who got drafted. I don't pay attention to anything anymore. So when I, you say that then instead of doing that uh, ever, you're always within yourself, what does that mean, Danny? What, what are you, can you, can you draw us a picture? What are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you creating? Yeah, that's beautiful. So uh, first things first, on a daily basis, I go for a walk. Okay. Right. I, I, I start every single day, every single morning of my life. I wake up and I just sit in gratitude mm -hmm. and I just pray and meditate in gratitude for this beautiful day, for this life, for everything that I'm creating, for everything that I'm attracting in my life right now. Um, and then second thing is I go for a walk and this happens every day because Rick, I used to be 50 pounds overweight. Wow. And I used to be 50 pounds overweight because I had a story in my mind that all Latinos were fat. True story. It's just true story. Because, I, because listen, everybody, we, 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 brother, there's a, there, there's a picture we have of ourselves. That's nothing like the real thing. And for some reason it gets ingrained in us. And I totally identify with what you just said, that you saw you know yourself as a big fat guy, because somehow you thought, well, I'm Latino. We tend to be heavier. Wow. That's actually interesting, we, man. Well, it was because I mean, literally, and I would, Rick, I would go to the gym every single day of my life and nothing would change. Why? Because the moment I would go to hug, hug my grandmother, my grandmother would grab me. If I ever started to lose weight, she would say, I mijito, que te pasa? And she would start to pound food <laughs> down my face. And she would do this out of love, by the way. Out of, of course, love. of course. That's the way she knows how to love, right? And then until one day I started to realize, like, I've got to make some changes within myself. I've got to I've got to heal some things within myself because I'm doing the work, but my body isn't changing. And if my body isn't changing, I'm going to die at a young age like most of us die. Hmm. Most of us are dying at 70, 75, 80 years old when there's human beings that are living 100, 105, 110 years old. So I've got to start thinking about the future, about longevity, about my energy, about my body, about how I take care of my temple. And so that's when things started to change. So I decided to turn off the TV, Rick, because I wanted peace in my energy. I didn't want to get bogged down with the election. I don't, I, I don't give a shit what happens with Trump or I don't give a shit what happens with Biden. I don't, I don't give a damn what anybody thinks. It just, no one's going to affect me. My should, future, should, my should life, you my care country. though? I mean, you're a citizen, you're in a democracy. It's part of your responsibility to be informed, uh, Betty would argue. And you would, and you would say what to them? I would say, I don't want anything to do with it. Why? It's none of my business. If, if nobody it cares, it if it nobody, if nobody cares though, I'm, I'm just going to follow this enthymime. I'm not trying to be argumentative with yeah. you, obviously I'm going to follow this enthymime. If everybody thinks like you and nobody cares and nobody votes and nobody cares and nobody wants to find out who won or who lost and nobody puts an interest in this stuff in the end, won't it consume us? Won't the bad guys win? I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I know this is going to sound very weird, Rick, but I just, um, mm -hmm. I'm just at a space in my life where I realize that up, I'm going to, I'm going to get 90% of your viewers really mad at me. Rick. No, no, okay. they, they probably like you already. Cause you you seem like you're very authentic. Well, they're, but, but, but in that authenticity, I I'm going to share my personal beliefs and my personal story to help you understand why I made this decision. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that right now. Now that might infuriate and you might call me a racist, whatever. I understand. I get it. It's fine. I have my reasons for it. Mm -hmm. I have my reasons for it as a business owner. I have my reasons for it based off of my personal beliefs. So, so watch this. Okay. About two years ago, I go to a Donald Trump rally. True story. 
And in true Danny Morrell fashion, I go sit in the front seat and I'm there and I'm there to watch Trump. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I believe this and I'm into this. I'm, I'm in the game. I'm, I'm yes, we're right. They're wrong. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, and then Rick, check this out. And then like, I'm waiting for, I'm, I only, I only went to see Trump, right. He makes right. me laugh. I think he's funny, yeah. but I, I only went there and I'm watching Rick, check this out. I'm watching all of the other speakers leading up to him and I'm feeling the energy of the room and I'm watching women get up on stage yelling at the top of their lungs, their freaking veins and their foreheads and, and their and their throats like they're trying to take our country away Oof. and they're trying to. And you know what I saw in that moment, Rick? In that moment, I saw, holy shit, <laughs> the same way I think I'm right. Someone else in that room on the other side of town thinks that they're right. Yeah. And like this ain't nothing going to change on this planet. Because I'm feeding this energy is what I'm doing. Mm. And in that moment, Rick, I swear to you, I swear to you, I, 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 I started feeling the energy of the room and the, the anger and the hostility in the room. And I thought to myself, Ouch. this is not love. Yeah. This is not love, right? And when you really get to the core of who you are as a human being, when you, when you see your child, when you're in those moments, when you're fat, when you're with your family, you realize that love is what we're all made of. And that's when I decided I'm no longer participating in any of this. I'm out. That's fascinating the way you put it, because I, I, I almost think what, what I'm, what I'm grasping from what you're saying is we're at a critical point nowadays in this, uh, in this country, in our society maybe even in this world where you can't just go in halfway. You can't say, I, you know, I, I, I really like these principles of whatever, the, 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 you know, Maoism, the Democratic Party, uh, Catholicism, uh, Judaism, whatever. I really like these principles and, and, and I'm going to study them. I'm going to be a part of this. It seems like everything that we decide to embrace explodes with anger and hate. And if you join us, you have to hate those guys. And if you do right. those guys, you have to hate us. They're going to hate us. And, Everything is so cataclysmic, you know, cataclysmic, pardon me. Uh, and, right. and it can't just be refined understanding between people anymore. It seems like that's well, gone, Danny. Gone you. Well, Rick, that's called separation. Yeah. Separation is, this is what, the more that we are separated, right? But by this concept of race, by this concept of party, by this concept of country, by mm -hmm. this concept of economy, right? Rick, the more that I as a human being see that I am different than and I have less opportunities than the billionaire that happens to be a white guy, mm. the more that I am entrapped and yeah. I'm enslaved. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, and so I, I, I choose, God, you're, you're, right? you're and I get to choose. This is this is very important. Mm -hmm. I get to choose what I'm going to do about that. And so when I was 18 years old and my mother was on welfare and she was four foot seven Hispanic woman mm. providing for three boys as a single mother. And we were living in the ghetto in the absolute ghetto where the FBI would raid us. And we were living in absolute fear all the time. You know what I decided? I looked to my left and I looked to my right and I noticed no one in my family owned a home. Mm. I'm going to be the first one to do it. Mm. I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it by the time I'm 21 years old. Hmm. And you know what I did, Rick? 
by the time I was 21 years old, I bought my mom a house, not just any house, but in the best neighborhood in the city. And that's when I started to realize that through our energy and our vision, we have the ability to manifest whatever we want while we're here on this planet. We have the ability to create a life of abundance. And that means health, finances, relationships, and our spiritual connection. And then as a result, that's why I just don't participate in any of this. You know, it's funny. You, you, you said something that was really important. And we've been talking about this now for the last 15 minutes about how important it is to live in the present. And you define for us quite well how you have been able to accomplish that. The other thing I take from what you're saying is that what builds clarity in life is not thinking, it's action. Uh, when you took me through the story of you made a decision, you didn't want to be in that place, so you left. You didn't want to continue to be in a home where people, nobody owned a home. You, you decided to buy your mother a home. Th- those are actions. And actions are so much more important than long conversations that are long-winded or even kumbaya kind of thoughts. That seems to be one of my perspectives in life. I imagine it's also yours. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that you know, you, you as a human being get to decide, right? Where, where maybe your mother, your father, society, your community has told you that you don't have the power to decide. You have the ability to decide what you want your life to look like and become, Mm. right? And then once you decide, you have the ability to manifest. You have the ability to manifest whatever you think and whatever you feel in your heart, right? Mm. And that is, by the way, the difference. That is the yin and the yang of life. That is the masculine side of us and the feminine side of us because we're both born from a a mother Mm -hmm. and a father, right? And the masculine envisions and the heart receives. So you as a human being gets the has the ability, the God-given ability to envision what they want their life to look like. And then it's up to you to allow yourself to receive it. And that's where most people have a hard time. Most people have a hard time envisioning because they're in victim energy. And most people have a hard time receiving because they don't feel they're worthy of it. Yeah, I think the hardest thing for most people, and you know, speaking as a guy who's obviously been around the block and done a lot of different things and failed miserably in my life and also succeeded overwhelmingly, is that first step. It's, it's, uh, it's picking up that phone. It's getting out of bed. It's showing up for that job. It, it, those are the things that define, for me sometimes, as simple as that may sound, it's not that you got a degree from Harvard and the other guy doesn't. Sometimes it's just that you showed up and he didn't. And that's action, yeah. man, right? Absolutely. And you know, if I could, if I could leave your listeners with anything, if uh-huh. people have a hard time with that, it's because they're playing the wrong movie in their head. If, if, if you already know the outcome of the movie, you're not going to want to go see it again. Hmm. And so when people have been programmed right through, and listen, listen, and, and Rick, I mean, I don't know if we have time, but I, I'm thinking of my, my brother, John right now, who hmm. had an autoimmune disease so severe that he had a stint in his chest because he was out of veins to, 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 to pump the medication in. Right. And, and I helped him to envision a body without that brother that's gone. He's, he's, he's healed. He's on no more injections, no more medications. And he quadrupled his money. Hmm. Why? Because he detached from the energy of fear. He made a new movie in his head. And when you have a new movie in your head, guess what you'll do? You'll go, 
oh, wow. Okay. If that's what my life can look like, I'll pick up the phone. Yeah. I'll take the next. That makes you sense. That, that, that makes sense, Danny, because what, what, the picture you just painted is I'm saying you got to get that. You got to take that first step. You got to show up at the job. You got to get out of bed. And the only thing that can keep you from doing that is the fear that somehow when you make that move, it's not going to turn out well. And how the hell did that get into your head? Well, for some of us, it's because like you and me, we grew up in barrios and we saw a lot of, uh, uh, we saw a lot of bad results. So we, we have a movie playing in our head of bad results. We've got to turn off that movie and literally create, write, produce, shoot a new one. I was, I've been able to do that most of the time in my life, but every once in a while, I will tell you, Danny, every, and I'm a relatively successful guy, every once in a while, that little thing jumps in there when, I don't know, the phone rings. And instead of saying, let me go get the phone because this is going to be a great opportunity for me to talk to a, to a fellow human being about something that's exciting. Something else happens and I go, why is that phone ringing? I, I, I don't want to answer that phone. It's going to be bad. It's not. But every once in a while, that little thing peeks back into my head and I have to like beat it down and then continue on. Does that ever happen to you? Not as much anymore. And I'm going to tell you why. Because go, go back to our original conversation. Uh-huh. Okay. Do you remember in our original conversation when you said that the television programs, they get paid more by how they can hook you and they can keep you and it's all based off of fear? Yep. Right? Yep. When little by little you start to silence that voice of fear within you, little by little the voice of fear within you starts to get silenced as well. Hmm. When you start to realize that the boogeyman isn't going to come get you, right? When you shut off the noise that keeps telling you that the boogeyman is going to come get you, all of a sudden, guess what you realize? Holy shit. Well, maybe there is no boogeyman. <laughs> well said. Well said. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing, brother, with, with like our families. Like I love my family, but my family knows you start this. I have this uncle, right? I, 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 I love him. I Everybody has that uncle. Everybody has that uncle, right? And his uncle shows up and he's like, hey, daddy. He's like, what's up? I won't say his name. But what's up, uncle? He's like, oh, man, I got this new disease. Really? Okay, well, don't, don't, I don't want to hear about it, to be honest with you. Well, but here, let me show you a picture. And he shows me a picture of like this rotten, like, leg oh, or something. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, I'm like, uncle, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be problems. a part of any of that. Yeah. I don't want to hear about any of that. So, mm -hmm. right. And so you as a human being get to decide that where, you know, for many of us, what we live is from the energy of guilt, right? And when we live in the energy of guilt, we can't speak up for ourselves. We can't tell our family and our loved ones what we truly feel in our heart is right or wrong, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that we don't love you. It means that I love me more. Yeah, because we all have an overwhelming desire to please. And that often means that, uh, and that's not just a Latino thing. I think that's just a human thing. Uh, we will literally go out of our way and punish our own action or uh, avoid our own action to please someone who just knocked on our door and is asking for 10 minutes of our time. When we know that spending 10 minutes of, with him could make us late to work, could, could, could affect us in a very important way. But we immediately give him the time and make him more important than ourselves. And by the way, of course, if it's a human being who needs help and is bleeding, and that's a different story. I mean, but that's, but, but that's, that's not what I'm talking about here. 
No, Rick, you know, and you know this being a Latino. Check this out. Yeah. So this was early on, 18, 19, 20 years old. I'm starting to build my business. Yeah. And my family would fly in from New York to come visit to California, mm-hmm. right? And like, you know, in, in, in our family, like everyone does everything for each other. Because everyone's trying to please each other. Of course. Got, like, I, I understand that it comes from love. Yes. Yet at one point in time in my life, you know, it was like, I mijito, can you take me to the to the doctor appointment? Mm. I mijito, can you take me to go visit? And I started to realize like I was the freaking chauffeur, Rick. Yeah. I was like, it was like every day of my life while my family was around, I was the chauffeur. And then guess what happened? My business suffered. Yep. And then when my business suffered, guess what happened? My emotions suffered. Mm. And when my emotions suffered, guess what happened? My ability to spend quality time with my family suffered. Mm. And so I started to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. I love these people, but I must love myself first. Because if I love myself first, then I can show up authentically as myself. And that's when I can become the best version of myself. And that's when I can go out and be the happiest, make the most money, be the healthiest, which is that state as a human being, then I can give back the way people truly deserve to be given back to this. That, then I can invite people on a vacation and pay for them. Mm-hmm. Then I can in, in take care of things for people. Then I could help people when they're really down and out, but I can only do that when I connect to my true power, you know? Yeah, no, the best thing you can do to help others is to help yourself first. That's it. I Ram agree. Ram Dass said that. I, I, Ram Dass. Who said that? Ram Dass said, Ram Dass said, the only thing that you can do for me is to work on you. Wow. And the only thing that I can do for you is to work on me. That's right. And I, and I believe that with obvious exceptions of when a human being is hurting or they're in need, we need to be there for them. But that's not what we're talking about in this case. By the way, there is another thing that I always talk about, and I've drilled down on this because I think it's made a difference in my life. You are what your routine is. You are what your habits are. And if you don't have a routine, if you don't have those habits, you better find them quick. Agree? I agree. Yeah. And that's why my my morning routine is so important to me. You know, Rick, when when I was hard charging and I was building my business, I would I would wake up, I would, you know, read affirmations, I would go to the gym at 4:30 in the morning, I would get in the office, I would pick up the phone. Uh, you know, I, I, I was in, I was in sales. And so I, I, I really was like a sales mindset. Mm-hmm. Now I'm really like, I'm just in a different space in my life, but I still have a routine. I still wake up. I give gratitude. I meditate. I breathe. I connect with myself. I go for a walk, you know, do you um, ever feel silly doing that? Silly doing what? Meditating, you know, being in one with the universe, all those kumbaya kind of things that we and some people will hear you say and say, I, I don't know if I could do that. If I could just sit out there going, mm, you know. Um, yeah. I think you've been programmed to not know if you can do that. Of course I have. So have we all. That's why have I'm asking all. you the question. You, you've you overcome yeah. that, that, that sense of, you say it like everybody does it. I'm here to tell you everybody doesn't do it. And most guys, especially <laughs> Latino guys, would think you're a little weird. Yeah. You know, what happened to me was, um, I'll, I'll tell you what, what, what happened and what changed my life was my mother passed away. Wow. My, my mother passed away of cancer at, um, 56 years old. She, she passed away of lung cancer. 
Rick. And this was a woman that never smoked a day in her life. Mm. And worse than that, she was in church every single week. And so when I saw my mother pass away in this fashion, and I saw her literally pray out to God to heal her. And I I thought when she did pass away, and she passed away in my arms, by the way, she passed away in my arms. I thought to myself, something's not right. Mm. Something's not right for a woman to dedicate her life to God. Mm. And then when she needed God the most. God wasn't there. And I don't care what the pastor tells me. I don't, I don't, I don't care that they try to tell me, well, God works in mysterious ways. Bullshit. Mm. Bullshit. This is my mother. I just saw my mother die and in a very unfair fashion. And then I started to ask myself some very difficult questions mm. about life, about God, about the universe, about my marriage, about if I was happy or not, because that pain drove me to ask those questions of myself, right? And that's what led me to plant medicine, ayahuasca. And that's what changed my life forever. And, and you know? I'm sorry, but I guess I have to ask the question, what is plant medicine, ayahuasca? Yeah, so uh, plant medicine is different sorts of medicine that we as human beings can take hmm. that help us to heal some of the deepest parts of ourselves. Hmm. So ayahuasca, for example, is found in Brazil, is found in Peru, is found in Hawaii, and you take it in, in ceremony right? And ceremony and protected ceremony. And you go into the deepest parts of your mind and your heart and you heal the things that, that, that you need to heal basically. Does it make and you so, high? What's that? Does it make you high? It doesn't make you high. For example, it's like, a. will tell you, you ever watched the movie Avatar? Yeah. You, number one grossing movie in mm. the whole world. Right. I'll tell you a little secret about Avatar. Everyone that worked on Avatar did ayahuasca. Wow. And a lot of people don't know that. If you think of the story of Avatar, when the guy lays down, check this out, Rick, he puts on that mask, right? Mm. He puts on that mask and then he sees those fractals, those colors, Mm. right? That's you going from the 3D world into the spiritual world and you being to connect. And then he comes out as his avatar, his highest self. So to get back to meditating and kumbaya and all of that, in those moments, what you see is you see how Mm. truly connected we all really are. And so then, no, you stop feeling weird because you get to see finally like the truth about who we are and, and, and what human existence is. And it's just becomes a sense of grounding for you. And it's, it's something that quite frankly is very healing for you. Wow. So it's, it's kind of like a, I guess you could, you classify it as a, as a psychedelic, a hallucinogen. That's, that's the way that the, the world would call it. Yeah. 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 Uh, Joe Rogan talks about that a lot. He says that throughout history, man has been able to use that effectively Obviously, it can also be overused, just like everything else in the world can be overused. But if used in the right quantities and in the right way, it can actually put you in a better place uh, to, to make you grow and, and make you see things uh, in, in a calmer, uh, perhaps even uh, kinder way. So it's interesting. I've heard a lot of people talking about that. I'm from a generation where I go, oh, my God. I don't want to talk about that, but I, I, I'm willing to accept it if explained to me on uh, reasonable grounds like like you just have. So wh- when you do that, how, how do you make sure, uh, Danny, that 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 you're doing it right, that it's the right stuff, that, you know, you don't yeah. end up sick or, or, or worse, you know, uh, well, high or yeah, something? That's, Overly yeah, high. that's a great question. Well, well, first things first, and it's ayahuasca and mushrooms, okay. right? And there's all kinds of, you've heard Mike Tyson, you see, you by the way, you see how like soft and kind Mike Tyson is now. Mm, he changed. 
it's changed. Well, it's because of plant medicine. Wow. But, but yeah, plant medicine changed them. Right? So, and, so and, by, and by the way, you know, I, I know a ton of, I talk to a lot of my friends in the business world and they're telling me about everything they take at night just to go to sleep. And some of them are taking Tylenol PM and other of them are taking all these medications because they're going to have, yeah. they think they're going to have heartburn every night. So they take medications that I was playing golf with a buddy of mine the other day, wonderful guy, very successful guy, good friend. And he told me about what he was taking every night. And I said, stop, stop. And, and, and yet he is doing it with prescriptions, which is why um, sometimes when people tell me that there are alternative types of medicines, I'm not one of those that says, oh, I would never touch anything like that. I only believe a doctor can write a script. I don't believe that anymore. So continue. Well, let me give you two examples. Example number one, I'll tell you a story about a woman that I worked with. Uh-huh. This woman was 46 years old. She was walking in a cane. She was taking 30 prescription drugs per day. Mm-hmm. And Doesn't uh, surprise me. This is very typical. Yes, yes. Okay, so, so watch this. So no one ever asks why. What happened, right? Mm-hmm. She wouldn't answer. Finally, through through working together and through the medicine, guess what we discovered? When she was a little girl, she was sexually abused by her uncle. Wow. And when she was sexually abused by her uncle, she went to tell her mother. And what her mother did instead of supporting her and loving her was her mother basically like this owned her and told her she was a liar. Oh. Do you know what that does for a little girl at four or five years old? I can only imagine. It, 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 it impacts your belief about life and your existence. And so guess what happens? It changes your energy. And so that energy inside of you manifests into illness. That's why we're all so sick. Sooner or later, right? Sooner or later. Exactly. Exactly. The guy, the guy that I told you about that had the stint in his chest. Remember that guy? Mm -hmm. That guy, his father raised him and used to beat the living daylights out of him seven days a week for the first five years out of his life. Wow. Because his father was an alcoholic. And why did he do it to his son? Because his father did it to him. So this is generational energy that human beings are dealing with, which guess what happened to my friend? It manifested into an illness. And so what happened to both of these people? Well, they, I mean, I can't say this because I I might get sued or whatever. Let's just say the one woman no longer needs to take medicine and the other guy no longer has to do it as well. It's a great story, man. That's a, that's it's, a, it's all, it's all emotions. And it, it's just, if you, if you have the courage to heal your emotions, right. And the emotional trauma that you have, that you have dealt with in your life mm-hmm. and, and let go of I've Rick, I've seen women, I've, I've, I've held women's hair while they, while they throw up in buckets because they're letting go of all this anger and energy. I've seen a woman forgive the guy who raped her and, and sexually abused her because she decided I was no longer going to hold on to this. And now that woman smiles and she's free and her life is changing. That's what the medicine does, man. It changes life. How much of it do you take? And when do you take it? It's in sacred ceremony. Um, uh, I've, I've sat with ayahuasca, oh, 12 times and with mushrooms about nine or so. Mm-hmm. And with ayahuasca, it's, it's served in a cup and you, you drink it and then you, about a four hour ceremony and you lay down and you close your eyes and you let the process happen. And then. How, do, don't you, don't you fear that uh, something could happen that you may not be able to control? 
That's a beautiful, beautiful question, Rick. It was like that was my first ceremony that I ever did. I was such a control freak because mm-hmm. control is a mechanism that we as human beings learn to keep us safe and protected. Mm. Our subconscious belief patterns is so afraid that something might go wrong because of something that we experienced in the past, in the past that we have to control. So I had to control, right? And I was afraid. And that's why my, my ceremony was a little bit rough. But what you, but the beauty of life is to surrender to life, just mm. to surrender to it and just to let go. Right. And when you learn to do that in ceremony, guess what happens, man, that's when, that's when you, you, you really start to heal because Rick, I don't know if you knew that you, you, ever, you ever seen a dog breathe when they're asleep, watch a dog breathe when they're asleep, a dog will breathe from their belly. Interesting. You know how human beings breathe from their clavicles and their chest. Mm. Why? Cause we're so stressed. Our nature, however, is to breathe from our bellies. So part of the people, when they come to my events, I have to teach them how to relearn how to breathe, Hmm. how to just surrender and how to be okay and not be so nervous. I have men that they're they're so amped up. Rick, their eyes are twitching like this. Because they're yeah. so nervous, and it so seems, and it, and it seems with each passing day, we we end up more and more like that. Uh, and and it is something that we should find ways uh, to resolve. Danny Morell, Latino business strategist, life coach, entrepreneur. His podcast is called "The Higher Self." What a fascinating conversation, Danny. What's next for you, man? Um, I have an event that um, that I put on three or four times a year. It's called Awaken Your Highest Self. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a three-day event. It's coming up December 1st through the 3rd in Austin, Texas. It's completely sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got another one coming up in, we've got five of them next year. And um, that's where I, I put most of my passion into is that I, 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 I realize the the jerk uh, that I once was, and I realize how good it feels like to live life from this perspective. And my life's passion is just to help other people to discover themselves as well. That's great. Some, yeah. Some of the healing things that we work on. And there go any one of us when you describe yourself in those harsh terms, because we all can look back and see things that we've done and best to just recognize it and move on and improve rather than to sit around regretting. So I, I, I'm with you, man. I think you've got some wonderful uh, perspectives on, on life, and it's uh, it's really been a pleasure uh, having this conversation with you. Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, maybe have a conversation again. Maybe I'll uh, join you on your show because uh, I, I find you fascinating. So that would be a fun thing for us to do, my friend. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Thank you for all your team for for inviting us and, and giving us this time together. Dali, there you go. Danny Morell. Uh, the Higher Self is uh, the name of his podcast, The Higher Self with uh, Danny Morell. Well, this is the Rick Sanchez Podcast. We have these conversations because I think it's heuristic, right? I think it can help all of us in many ways. This conversation has made me realize some things that maybe I didn't know in the past. And that means that you have to be not just expressive, but uh, you have to be open to these types of conversations, which is why we do this. And especially as Latinos, you know, hard to figure things out out there nowadays because they are somewhat uh, confusing. You can find the Rick Sanchez podcast as you can the higher self with Danny Morell on uh, Spotify or on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you happen to see us on uh, on the YouTube thingy, uh, subscribe. That's, yeah, that's right. So listen, um, dale, andale, vamos con todo y con latitud, Latino attitude. Thanks again for being with us, Danny. Thank you so much. Agua. 